Ago, you you uh, had a scheduled a colonoscopy. Now we want to know: Is everything a okay with your a hole? Well, I don't really know how to compare the experience I had with anything else because I've never really experienced oh, no 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 anything like it before. Uh, well, you know how you normally like you when you pee. It doesn't come out of your ass. <laughs> oh, Chris, are you still on the medication? <laughs> Buddy. This is not time or place. Oh, we're off to a classy start, aren't we? So how did it go? It, it, the, the, the procedure itself was fine. It was quick. I think they found one small polyp, but the pre-procedure, the... Uh, preparation let's just say they hit you with two laxatives you have to take and you have to wash it down with something called magnesium citrate which is basically that does not sound good yeah it it makes basically water build up in your like your track and uh well there's only one place it could go (laughs) (laughs) now how fucking long did you have to fast for this thing the day before you're not allowed any solids. Up until 6 p.m. the night before the procedure. After 6 p.m. the night before, you have to have only clear liquids. Oh, that's right. And you can have, like, jello and shit, right? I think so. I think I, think I remember Lara doing something like that. I mean, I don't think it could be red, though. Like, they, you have to stay away from anything red-colored. That's up until the day before, then three hours the morning of your procedure. Three hours before your procedure. You can't have anything, nothing, not not water, not not anything, not a single drop of anything. That's probably to ensure that you uh, <laughs> keep everything under a lock and key before the fucking... And I guess they want a, uh, how do I want to put this, a uh, clear pathway? <laughs> I guess they don't want any uh, blockage <laughs> of any of yeah. the instruments. They need to be able to <laughs> see everything and... Uh, Everything comes out. Well, you must be fucking uh, psyched as hell that that is finally over with. The The worst part is, you know, you take the first dose at 7 p.m. And then the next one was at 5 a.m. So, like, just around the time when you're able to finally go to sleep and, and with no concerns of shitting your bed. <laughs> I got, like, I don't know, four hours of sleep. You'd have to be nervous anyway, right? Just, just any kind of procedure. I mean, at least I'm always a fucking anxious wreck, so I would kind of be, like, fucked up before that. I wasn't really, you know, like, mainly, too, because it was just strictly precautious. It was not, like, as a result of anything. It was just, I was just getting it done because, you know, there was family history, so. 
Well, we're all glad to hear that you're doing swell, bud. Mm. <laughs> Don't sound so excited about it, Chris. We should be sounding more excited, bud. We're finally back here recording. It has been, what, two fucking weeks? We used to be a weekly podcast, and we are sinking ship now, bud. <laughs> excited? <laughs> I, I, this, this one didn't have quite as many reschedules as the last one, but... Well, I don't think people understand the amount of work that goes into this fucking shit. You know, it's like we got to pick a story. We got to attempt to research it. You know, then we got to come up with our fucking uh, (laughs) intro banter. And then I got to edit this fucking thing. So it's just like it's this huge project that's becoming a full time job on top of my regular job. So it's like, you know. I don't know if we could add research into uh, the list of things we do. Well, my my Wikipedia tab is open right here. So that that counts as something. It does take 15 to 20 minutes out of our lives. <laughs> uh, now, Chris, in my life, and, and thank you for asking, um, <laughs> the big news on my end, Chris, is my obsession, and you probably heard it with the intro music, is my fucking obsession with the new show, Cobra Kai. I guess it's not that new. It had been on YouTube, fucking purple, red, whatever the fuck the thing is, for a couple years, but who the hell watches that? I had heard about it when it was released on YouTube, but like you said, nobody watches that shit. So when it was finally released on Netflix a few weeks ago... It was like a whole like rediscovering. Everybody started watching it, and then all of a sudden it became the hottest thing out there. You know, I, I don't really hear anyone that that was watching it on YouTube. Now that I think back about it, I wanted to see the first couple episodes, and I guess they had a whole season on that YouTube Red, but I was able to watch like one episode or maybe even two, and then it shut off on me, and instead I had to subscribe to some bullshit, and I was like, I, I'm not doing that because I didn't even have like the app on my TV to do it. And I had to download this shit. I was like, I, I lost interest in it. So everybody had been talking about this being on Netflix. And I was like, you know what? I had forgotten all about the first fucking episode um, after you told me you were watching it. And then uh, my friend fucking Todd was texting me about it. So I was like, let me give this thing a shot, dude. And from the first fucking minute when they show that fight between Johnny and, and Daniel and the way they did it when point for point and it shot to like black and white, I was fucking hooked. Oh my god, it's so good. And the only thing I'm concerned about is I wonder if because it's a YouTube series, if they're gonna release the third season on YouTube, and then there's gonna be a big gap between when no, Netflix. No, I, I read up on it. Netflix owns the uh, rights to the distribution now, so season three was already filmed under YouTube. So that's already filmed and edited. That's gonna be coming out early next year, but. I'm going to assume they're going to go to a season four just because of the popularity of it. So after that, Netflix then gets to pour their money into it. So it's probably just going to grow bigger and better. That's crazy. I wonder how much they paid for that. I mean, now that this thing is such a major fucking hit. Well, apparently I'm an aficionado on this fucking uh, show because I read <laughs> also that... Did you speak to the agent? <laughs> that were fucking uh, Machio and um, Zabka, they both get $100,000 an episode. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's pretty good for them. It's kind of resurrected their careers, man. It's awesome. The way that they do Cobra Kai is, is genius. They like the, the twists and how it kind of connects to the, how things were in the original Karate Kid. And then this young generation that's coming up, which is like, you know, like the whole cancel culture, like you mentioned. And, oh, and yeah, they kind of mock it, which is really they fun. Com- right, which is great. So they kind of mock this new generation's you know, the, the things and fads that they have and stuff like that. And it's matched with the old generation of, like, you know, when John, because they're Johnny and, and LaRusso are both in their, you know, in their 50s. And he kind of just 
gives them a kick of that generation. And, and it's cool because a lot of the kids, well, some of the kids take to it. And it's like you're just reliving the '80s again, and it's fucking awesome. Well, you're right, man. That's the that's the whole fucking thing. It's like it is a great combination of guys our age who like that nostalgia of the '80s mixed with like you know a show like uh, I don't know Dawson's Creek. Is that a, <laughs> I don't fucking know what to compare it to? But like well. you know, a newer generation is coming forward, and they're probably watching all these fucking movies. I'm, I'm I can only assume that karate takes off now after this fucking show. You can, I, I can imagine that this would probably make people want to do it more. Well, I tried to do a kick yesterday, actually, outside when I was on <laughs> punching the fucking heavy bag, dude. And I, my leg did not get above, God, I, I would say almost my knee. <laughs> so that shit's not happening for me. I, I can imagine it's probably pretty difficult as you... Uh, but as age. you know, my son, uh, Dean, is a deputy black belt. And he's I think he's going to earn his black belt, God, in spring next year. That's awesome. And he, and he got in before these shows were released, right? Yeah. And apparently, this is the Karate Kid podcast, but I went back and I watched all three, um, the original, number two, and number three, and I made a fucking point on Facebook the other day. You know, number one was great, and then number two, he goes to fucking Okinawa and has that death match where he's actually fighting for death, where he's actually fighting for his own fucking life. They throw the bridge in the fucking little moat they have there, and he beats that guy. He's not afraid. He fucking stands up to him. Beats him, and then part three, he comes back to fight in the Old Valley Tournament, and he's scared shitless of this little fucking pussy he's got to fight. So it didn't make sense. So the correct chronological order, I'm putting it in here tonight, Chris. It is the original, then number three, then the finale of the trilogy is number two. You heard it here first, bud. Well, uh, you know, I don't think that's how it works, but um, <laughs> it it. I, I, yeah, I guess I'd have to agree with you on that. But it is kind of cool, though, that they kind of gap it between the All-Valley tournaments. So, like, you're going to, you you know, you've seen the All-Valley tournament, the first one, then he's away, and then all of a sudden, like, it's back in All-Valley, you know, like... Well, I guess little... the point is that he shouldn't have been so afraid of that fucking guy. Yeah, that's, that's definitely seemed a little weird. I mean, you'd think by then he'd have some confidence. <laughs> After surviving a death match. <laughs> Yeah, this is like all anyone could talk about right now, and it's awesome. I love it. Well, it's much better than we got when we were fucking talking about that Lion King, which happened. God, that feels like ten years ago now when Lion this quarantine King. first started, and I have zero interest now. I fucking hate it. I I haven't seen that since we probably talked about it. I want nothing to do with it. So, yeah. Chris, I mean, I don't know. What are we? Forty-five minutes into the show already? Uh, we're either gonna wrap it up or we're gonna fucking talk about uh, tonight's case. <laughs> That's going to do it here, folks. If we still have any listeners left. Uh, but tonight is one of the most popular whodunit cases of the recent uh, few decades. It's the case of Blair Adams. Now, Chris, let me throw this little uh, tidbit at you. We are going to be heading to Knoxville, Tennessee by way of Canada? <laughs> I see, Chris. Interestingly enough, yes. Uh, there's going to be some puddle jumping too, right? That is correct. I mean, that's the fucking weird thing about this, is that this guy was all over the place, and there was sort of no rhyme or reason to all these places that he was going to. So he was originally in Canada, tried to cross the border back into the U.S., he got turned down, and then eventually made it past the border, and then ended up 
in Knoxville, Tennessee, where, to everyone's knowledge, he had no affiliations with anybody. So, Chris, why don't we go backwards to go forwards? Now, if you don't mind, I would like to take the reins as far as the intro goes. Ah, all right. So, as we said, tonight's case is about a young man named Blair Adams, who was a 31-year-old Canadian who was unfortunately found murdered in a parking lot in Knoxville, Tennessee. And as we said previously, he had no relationships with anybody that we know of down in this area. So, the question then becomes, why was he there? The backdrop to this is uh, a a little weird. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, basically, that lead up to him traveling to Knoxville. Back in, and Chris, we're heading back to uh, your era again, the 90s, right? I'm more of an 80s guy, you're more of a 90s guy. So we are headed back uh, to the year 1996, and on July 5th, more specifically, is when things started to go astray for old Blair. It was on July 5th that Blair withdrew a shitload of money, most of his money from his bank account, and emptied out his safe deposit box, which had cash, jewelry, gold, and platinum. So I always laugh as to why you would have a safe deposit box with cash in it if you have cash in the fucking bank. You're better off throwing it in your fucking account, right? But, I mean, that's the weird thing, too. Are safe deposit boxes still a fucking thing in banks today? Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, the vault, right? They, if you open the vault, those are where the boxes are kept, aren't they? Bro, I cannot remember the last time I actually stepped foot in a bank. I just do all my shit through the drive-thru. I mean, nowadays, yeah. It's just I'm always so- scared shitless of the thing getting robbed, too. Like, I don't want to be in there where people are raiding yeah. that fucking place. <laughs> Uh, Don't mind me, bud. We're getting off track again. It's been a long time since we've done this. Let me get back to the story, would you, Chris? Now, here's the weird thing. After he withdrew all that fucking money and his gold and all shit, he uh, attempted to enter the United States by way of a ferry. And I guess that's something that's readily available from going from British Columbia down to Seattle. And I guess apparently he caught the eye of the uh, immigration officials. And they thought of old Blair as a drug carrier. And I guess that's because he was caught with all that cash on him. So I guess one could be kind of suspect of an individual carrying all this cash on them. But also it's like, who the fuck are you to tell me what I can and cannot carry? Fuck you. He doesn't have drugs on him. But because he's got a large amount of cash, it's just assumed that that he's a drug trafficker. I mean, this fucking guy emptied out the fucking bank into his fucking fanny pack whatever he had on him but that was the thing though too is because i guess they ran a background check on him and they found that he had previous drug charges and they said uh we'll see you later you gotta go back home oh really mm-hmm. all blair was not one to give up so after he was denied entrance that time he tried to cross the border on foot which seems kind of weird to me so i don't know what the area looks like i mean are there stores around are there things nearby or are we just going from canadian wilderness into you know <laughs> northern washington state wilderness you know like so that caught the eye of uh, the immigration officials again and they had found like all sorts of fucking cuts and scratches on his legs and hands so you know i don't know if that's coming from, you know, sneaking through brush maybe and he was getting cut trying to sneak through the border or whatnot or it came from some other kind of bizarre behavior. Anyway, what's odd here is that they were questioning him again and investigating and they did a background check. I guess there was a guy in the area that was implicated 
on a car theft? And old Blair matched the description. So again, they said, we'll see ya. You are not coming in. This time, I think they have a valid reason. Because if this guy did commit some felony and he was on the run, once he crossed the border, he'd be harder to find. And, you know, at that point, he'd just be fucking gone. So let me guess what happens. Third time's a charm, right? Yes, Chris, you were right. Isn't third time always the charm? So this time, Blair rented a car. Now, I didn't think about it, but are you able to rent cars between fucking countries? How does that work, you know, with insurance purposes and shit? That's kind of a, a weird way to go about it. On July 5th, and then again on July 9th, he was turned away. But on the 10th, Blair made it through. And uh, at this point, he finds himself in Seattle, Washington. But now here's the weird part, Chris. He gets to the U.S. and then he purchases a ticket to Germany. Why cross the border to go to the United States and then purchase your ticket to Germany? Doesn't make any sense. At least with this purchase of the ticket to Germany, there is some sort of associations that he has over there because apparently Blair was uh, doing work on a project over there, a construction project. That was his uh, field in Frankfurt for his stepfather's construction company. So he had been there, and he apparently had a girlfriend there too. Now, Chris Opal, let me ask you a question. How did uh, Blair's trip to Germany go? He actually uh, decided not to go to Frankfurt. Instead, he decides to trade in his round-trip ticket to Frankfurt for a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. I'm not sure if that's kind of the same as Frankfurt, Germany, but maybe he wants to uh, enjoy the nation's capital? (laughs) I guess, but at this point, we're starting to see some bizarre behavior. Maybe you might even say some kind of paranoid behavior. Even to further that point of paranoia, didn't he uh, visit one of his friends and he had uh, quite a proclamation to make to them? Yeah, so actually this was hours before he bought his round-trip ticket. He went to a friend's house, and I guess he was basically saying the reason why he needed to go across the border was because someone was trying to kill him. This could be a a legitimate claim, or it could be uh, the paranoia. We don't know, but I think the interesting thing is the one time when he showed up at the border crossing covered in cuts and scrapes so you know you wonder did he get roughed up by somebody or maybe he did that himself so there's all sorts of stuff going on and none of it really makes much sense but uh let's continue with the story here so as we said blair was now headed to washington dc and he lands in dallas airport and decides to rent another car this time a toyota camry so i'm guessing that he leaves his first car which was a nissan altima at the airport in Seattle for the Canadian car rental company to come get. So fuck you, go find it yourself. Flies to Washington, D.C. and then uh, proceeds to rent a Toyota Camry. So he hops in the rental car, takes off, and he's headed down Route 250 in Virginia. And apparently that's when he had a little fender bender with another motorist. And they said the damage was minimal I guess that the accident must have been reported because later on, the detectives were able to interview the guy that he had gotten into this small little accident with. And the guy said, and I quote, he seemed nice, but was in a hurry. And to me, that lends itself to more of the speculation of the paranoia route. 
Like, why is this guy constantly on the move, and why is he always in a hurry? There's no rhyme or reason that we know of. Is there somebody in Washington that he knows? Or is he just going to the furthest place possible across the country? Apparently not, because he really didn't even go to Washington. He just landed there, and then, bro, get this. He fucking drove 500 miles to Knoxville, Tennessee. And mind you, this is all on the same day. This is still on July 10th. That's crazy. Bro, so that is, what's that equate to? Uh, 500 miles is probably, God, almost nine hours in a car. So yeah. I'm just I'm just going 55 right like miles. roughly nine yeah nine yeah. Hour, nine ten hours yeah okay that's that's a long that's a what a five hour flight so yeah I mean coast to coast is about five hours maybe six and then immediately rents the car and then heads southeast to Knoxville Tennessee and as we said it's probably about nine hours so we're looking at about fourteen hours of travel in one day fuck that I don't care who's chasing me there's no way I'm traveling that much in a day <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't care who's chasing you. I gotta, I gotta put in some sleep time there somewhere. <laughs> Clearly, he's under the impression that someone's out to to kill him. But like, why not just go to Frankfurt and just like chill over there until you think things blow over? Like, it seems. I like mean, this- I think you would have a better chance of staying away from a killer if you're uh, halfway across the world rather than just going down right. into the states. It seems to me like it doesn't matter where this guy. He's gonna. He's constantly on the move, and he plans on doing that. He's just gonna keep hopping around. It's just crazy. The guy empties everything out of his bank and just starts spending all his money in travel. And apparently he had a lot of it because he had fucking platinum and gold, you know, so who knows how much cash he... Well, we do actually come to find out we know how much cash he had on him. So he definitely sounds like he was well off and could afford to uh, travel as much. So, in Knoxville, he arrives at 5.30 p.m. at a gas station and tells the attendant that his rental car won't start. And this is when things get really weird. Fucking weird. So, the Chris, attendant... Chris, t- whoa, 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 Chris, yeah. tell us what happens. Uh, I, was, I was about to. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> the attendant says that he has the wrong keys. They later found out that he did have the keys from the first rental car that he left in Seattle. So, I mean, why not take them with you? Because the uh, original car rental place in Canada is never going to find this thing. So, he just took them uh, with him. And we don't know, maybe it was by accident or, you know, purposeful. But as you said, he's going in and telling the attendant that he doesn't have the key to start the car. But he dropped the fucking car there. So, the, what happens here is that he had, as we said... He had the car keys to the first car he rented, that Nissan Altima, up in Canada. And now he has, obviously, the car keys to the Toyota Camry he rented at the Dulles Airport. So, there's a lot of confusion going on here. And the attendant's like, what the fuck is going on? How are you telling me that you drove here, but you don't have the key? Chris, let me ask you this. What do you make of that, pal? I don't know how one drives to a gas station, and then upon arriving at said gas station can't start his car because the keys for the car that he drove to the gas station are not there. Um, so, unless he said, oh, I have this extra pair of keys and I'm going to fucking heave hold them into the woods, and uh, oops, he threw the keys that he was <laughs> using for the car he was driving instead, that would be my only explanation for that. But How it, do you... If he had driven the car there and it was parked even if he throws the keys or whatever <laughs> just go I'm, get him go get him I mean what are they fucking 10 feet away unless so, you threw him down a drain I don't know so, 
anyway, they can't get this car started, so they got to call a, a driver to come tow this thing. The driver's name was Gerald Sapp, and and Sapp says to him, he goes, if you drove this thing here, you got to have a key somewhere. Check your fucking pockets. And, you know, he's, Blair is adamant that he doesn't have it. Now, here's the weird thing, is that Sapp then said, he goes, I thought that the guy was nuts. And, you know, as we go along in the story, it's sounding more and more as if Blair is becoming unhinged. It's at this point that the drive, the mechanic, takes him to a hotel, and apparently the manager of this hotel realizes that it, right away he remembers who this person is because he said how he acted really nervous, was walking in and out of the lobby like multiple times, and then after he went out of the hotel and he never saw him again. Now that's a weird thing. We hear this a lot in you know the stories that we cover. Remember the uh, Isdal woman. It's almost like they feel uncomfortable having a home base, you know, and I guess this leads into the fact that he is paranoid that he's being followed by someone. So he's walking in and out of the hotel, you know, should I stay or should I go? So as you said, it was about 40 minutes to an hour that he was just lingering around the hotel. He then pays for a room with a $100 bill. As the clerk was going to give him his change, Blair split right through the front door, walked right out. Upon further inspection, when the uh, de- detectives come to investigate, as we find out, that uh, the room had never been entered. Nothing was disturbed in it. So Blair never even made his way to the room. So, you know, why are you purchasing a room? Yeah, to me, it's starting to sound like um, paranoia or, you know, like a schizophrenia or some shit. Yeah, I, I think he's got some sort of disorder for sure I, I just can't imagine at this point after doing all the hopping that he's been doing that he'd still think that he was unsafe in his location the only way that could be possible is if he's got some sort of mental illness going on yeah i mean nobody's finding you i mean you're leaving from a different country canada then you're flying out of seattle all the way to washington dc you hop in a car you had 500 miles west and then you land in a hotel in Knoxville, Tennessee. There is nobody finding you. Unless we're talking about like an FBI agent or some shit like that. Or a, a, some NSA surveillance. But I highly doubt that was going on. This is where our story takes a very sad and unfortunate twist. And uh, Chris, why don't you tell us uh, uh, what happens next to Blair? So with all the paranoia and all of this back and forth... 12 hours later, after he exits the hotel, Blair's body, naked from the waist down, is found in a parking lot a half mile from the hotel. And there were some very strange clues around him. So his pants had been removed, from what they're saying, in a pulling motion. Now that's weird. So it's almost as if someone was ripping his pants off. And I can envision what they're saying here. You know, I don't know if you've ever been like lit or in a rush to get your pants off or trying to change your pants over a pair of shoes. Sometimes they get stuck and it's like like that motion. It has that look of, you know, they're just being completely turned inside out. Right, because when, when you can't get them off over your shoes, they get stuck and then they're pulled inside out. Yeah, that's how they find him. And... But that's kind of weird, you know, you think about it. You don't really often find people with, uh, not only deceased, but with their pants around their ankles. (laughs) 
It's not a good deal. <laughs> that is not how you want to end up. <laughs> well, maybe it is how you want to end up. I don't know. His shoes were off, and his shirt was ripped open. Here's the crazy part. You remember all the cash and the jewelry and stuff that he had? Yeah. That he had removed from the bank? So they find this strewn all over him, right? So it's just out all over him, not taken. It's still all there. It wasn't just American currency, right? Right. It was it was Canadian, American, and German. And I'm assuming the German currency was only because he was planning on going to Germany initially. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense that he would have these different currencies on him. And I know they blow up this part of the story to make it sound a little bit odd, but you make a good point. So if he was originally going to head to Germany, you know, and he had been there before, he would probably have uh, been prepared for that and, you know, maybe went to an exchange, currency exchange location and set himself up prior to his trip. I don't think necessarily that the type of currency that he had was... Is that strange? It's just the fact that the currency was still there. And if his body is there with what looks like somebody ripping his clothes off of some sort, why would they leave money? I mean, yeah, because this sounds almost like a robbery, right? It's definitely an assault, obviously. You know, if you have a chance to grab $4,000, who's not going to take that? That in itself is mind-boggling to investigators. But the even crazier thing is that the key to his rental car was on the scene too it was there so he had to have it in his pocket he obviously had it with him the whole time this is definitely adding up to me to be some kind of mental breakdown here's the weird thing it was the actual cause of death you know and i've never really fucking heard of this uh he died by a violent blow to his stomach you add up some of these factors that his pants were pulled down he had four thousand dollars of currency laying around him and this blow to his stomach which killed him i'm wondering if this is either maybe a sexual encounter or you know with somebody he knew or came across or with a prostitute or you know because you're thinking if this was a robbery or soul obviously they're going to take that cash but and you would think a prostitute would do right now the thing that i i, I question and let me ask you chris do you think there's any way that Blair could have done this to himself? The clothing part, partially. I, I mean, I could see that's obviously possible. Someone, someone can try to. Because that sounds, that to me, that sounds like a sexual en- encounter, like as if something was going down, or maybe he had lost his mind so much that he was trying to strip naked. They're thinking that the weapon that was used was a crowbar, and his forehead was also um, sliced open, which could easily be done by the back end of a crowbar you could definitely hit yourself i mean if let's just say if the speculation is that he could have done this to himself with the crowbar obviously you can hit yourself in the head with a crowbar and make that but hitting yourself in the stomach with a crowbar hard enough you have to be hit really fucking hard in the stomach to it to kill you i mean you know when you look at all the factors because they even report that blair had locks of hair ripped out of his head you wonder if maybe he did that to himself prior but I, I, I'm guessing not, because as you said, to be able to inflict a blow to your own stomach with a crowbar or any other kind of instrument, and with such force that it would kill you, to me, it sounds like it's completely impossible. And, you know, adding up the factors that the pants were pulled out in a, a tugging motion around his feet, plus the clumps of hair missing, I mean, this to me sounds like a grade A assault. They only found one long strand of hair in 
the clutches of Blair's hand. You're thinking a long strand of hair that obviously, you know, would probably be from a woman. Yeah, but I'm wondering, if, if they're saying one long strand, it's very easy for, you know, a strand of hair to get on you from your clothing. Why would he only have one strand of hair? If his hands, you know, were defensively trying to pull or whatever, and he, and he grabs someone by the hair, you're not going to get a fucking single strand. I'd imagine you'd get more. So now here's another very important factor is that police, you know, upon investigating this and um, the coroner's office also found this to be accurate is that uh, Blair was sexually assaulted. So this is all adding up and this is looking like an encounter. The only thing I can think of is an encounter with a prostitute gone wrong and maybe like a pimp or something or somebody jumping out and attacking him. From behind and then doing all this shit to him but why not take the money that's that's the part that doesn't make sense but police did do their due diligence and they took that strand of hair and had it analyzed but unfortunately uh there were no dna matches blair's mom also adds this little tidbit she said that blair wanted to attend the olympics which were held in atlanta georgia at that time but he arrived there july 10th so that still gives him you know almost a week and a half prior to the olympics starting which is you know quite a bit of time to uh fill especially if you know you don't know anybody in the area she then goes on to tell them that Blair was actually in a romantic relationship with a male roommate this then parlays into the next little piece of information that we have here there were people who said that they had seen Blair or witnessed them in several different restaurants in the Knoxville area with an unidentified male so I mean you don't know maybe he met someone or he was planning to meet someone online and it was a sexual encounter gone wrong but that still makes no sense to me because why not just fly directly to Knoxville if you're planning on meeting someone Unless unless he was very secretive about his life with a man, why would you go as far as to actually purchase a ticket to Frankfurt, Germany? Why would you trade it in for a ticket to Washington, D.C. only to to get a, a rental car at the airport and drive it all the way down to Knoxville from there? That fits more of the story of what, what it seemed like he was very nervous that someone was trying to kill him when he told his friend. You're right. This makes no sense, especially if he was planning on meeting this guy in Knoxville. But how weird is it that he told his friend that someone was trying to kill him? And then a few days later, he ends up murdered. I still don't know how anybody would know where the hell he was after all the, the jumping back and forth. But I mean, they might be able to tell that he was headed to Washington, D.C. if they were in the airport with him. But if they didn't make that flight, there's no way that they could tell that he was eventually going to rent a car and head 500 miles to Knoxville. The other thing I question is, you know, with these eyewitness accounts, I mean, how accurate are they? How accurate, you know, you, you could think maybe you saw this person. Can you really be certain that that was Blair at these restaurants with this, this unidentified man? I don't think you really can. Or unless something really struck you about his behavior. And I guess with all this paranoia that he's displaying, that could be the case. So who knows? If someone was really out to kill him, would that be how you would try to kill somebody? You would be more more intentional, wouldn't it? So to me, you know, the use of the crowbar sounds like this was a planned attack. And maybe Blair was not the intended victim. Maybe they were just looking to harm anybody that they had come across. 
and Blair happened to be the unsuspecting victim. I need a fucking drink after this one, Chris. This one really uh, bummed <laughs> me out. So let me give the rundown to the good people. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We got the uh, little Facebook uh, group there between the cracks podcast. If you go to the groups, I guess you can find it. You know, started that thing back up until I get suspended from Facebook again and they shut me down. Uh, and also the fastest way to get in touch with me would be on Instagram at the Between the Cracks podcast. Give us a follow and uh, maybe we can uh, discuss a case that you want us to uh, talk about. And also, we will be bringing back the skits. Uh, we've been a little bit uh, lazy with uh, all things podcast. And I just have not felt like uh, <laughs> doing all the editing for it. But our skits will be back and our good friend Blue Balls will be reemerging very soon. Let's close the door on this week's episode and get the fuck out of here. And let's try to return next week. Yeah, we're going to try to keep a little consistent. I know we said that last time. Hold the press. I forgot to tell you, bud. Next week, we are doing our first interview. My good friend from the Navy, T-Bone, will be joining us and telling us some mysterious stories from the sea. Yeah, so that sounds like a lot less work for us. We'll throw the uh, ball in old T-Bone's court and just listen to him talk. Perfect. And then we will wrap it up. (laughs) And go right the fuck home. (laughs) So, uh... Until next week, we bid you the fondest oh farewells. <laughs> no, that little kitty is angry. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, 85 minutes. Fuck me. Oh, God, my headphones fell off. This is a nightmare. Uh, (laughs) 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 God, I don't want to do this. (laughs) It was, how much is left on this article? I got to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Oh, there he is. There's Chaz. Fucking A. What happened? I don't know. I I was talking for I don't know how long (laughs) until I realized that I I didn't hear you responding, and I went to check the, the page, and it said, disconnected and then i went to refresh it and it said no internet i was like what the fuck why would you go to another state in the country <laughs> uh someone's trying to kill him now you know all we can but in all uh seriousness but in all seriousness oh you dumb motherfucker <laughs>